Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, our very special draft Patreon edition. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. <clears throat> Excuse me. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, good to be back. Uh, it's been a bit of a break since... The, the game that shall not be spoken about. Uh, yeah, so uh, first of all, congratulations to the uh, the Melbourne Football Club. Uh, probably, in all seriousness, they were the, the best club for, uh, anyway, in my view, anyway, the most consistent club all year. So richly deserved. Uh, nice little moments for, for Hibo and Neil Danaha. So it felt like there was a touch of an Essendon slight connection there and, and I couldn't be happy if I... If there's two guys who deserve a bit of happiness, um, it's it's those two guys. So, uh, congratulations to the Melbourne Football Club. But look, we're actually live on uh, Zoom, so we have uh, probably about thirty or forty of our Patreons just joining us. Uh, and what we're going to do is, is have a full review of the draft. Uh, and our friend Ed Pasco, who's been awesome all year, is joining us. How are you going, Ed? Yeah, uh, good, fellas. It's um. Good to be able to chat about the draft again. I mean, it's getting closer and closer, another two months away, and, uh, yeah, really excited about it. Well, exactly. Uh, and probably, you know what, in all seriousness, I feel like I've been playing catch-up with this draft. Last year, I was, like, so invested. Uh, it was, you know, when it was very obvious we are going to get a whole lot of picks, I think I studied nearly every one in the top 30 or 40, but I feel like I'm playing a lot of catch-up. So this is even a show for me as well <laughs> uh, that, you know, you're actually going to be teaching me a bit. Um, uh, just quickly, we obviously had the under-19s game. The Was it South Australia, Western Australia? Um, just your feedback on, on that, uh, which is the curtain raiser to the grand final. Uh, anything of note um, that you saw from that game? Yeah, I thought there was a, a few players that were kind of highlighted a bit. Uh, I'd say there was probably a few players that, you know, that they had to kind of make up the numbers because uh, South Australia had, of course, Jason Horn, Francis and Matthew Roberts playing league football. They couldn't be available. And you had a preliminary final as well in WA. So all the best players from the Swan Districts and uh, East Fremantle couldn't play. And there's a good bunch of those players there. So WA had to make a few numbers up with some under-17s and so did... Um, so did South Australia, but uh, it ended up being a lot closer contest than it was that first time around. So that was good to see the the, the final uh, final goal in the last minute decide the game, which seems to be a pretty common occurrence between um, in the championships, what it's been in the last few years. So no, no, it was good. So if there was any player players that really enhanced their stocks, it was probably probably uh, Nasai Wanganim Malira who whose skill on, on the wing is just incredible. I mean, the the kicks he can make, especially going inside 50, I mean, are incredible and quite quite clearly a step up from the rest of the crop. But um, another player that really impressed me, and he's going to be in next year's draft, is Harry Lemmy from South Australia. He's a big key forward of that 199 centimetres. He's an, probably going to be another Riley Thilthorpe. So yeah. y- you'd expect him as a key forward to be right in the mix of the top five next year. Can I... You've, you know, no, no doubt when I see your Twitter page, you have like a top 20, right? And I, I thought just initially it might be good to, to just go through some of those names. Uh, I don't know if there's been an update since that one I've got in front of me or that's on your Twitter page, but is it worthwhile if I can go through some of the names uh, just about, you know, who are the kind of the, what the top 20 are looking like? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go ahead. So let's, you know, some of the names that kind of been just discussed, and even Matt Johnson, um, you've got at nineteen. Tell us about him because he, even he had a pretty pretty big game. Yeah, so I've had him as a top twenty or even top ten prospect since last year. I mean, he's been one who's been really uh, solid most weeks. I mean, you know what you're going to get with Matty Johnson every week. He's a taller midfielder at about that one ninety two centimeter mark. He's not your true bull contested one, you know, that 190 centimetre type. He's more of a more of a well-skilled, more of a Pendlebury type of midfielder. Uh, he's can be pretty quick uh, in and around the stoppages, like getting out, but uh, he's not, you know, a super fast, explosive type of midfielder. So uh, he, did, he did really well uh, again. Like he had about, you know, the 23 disposals and uh, just showed a lot of his class. Um or, or, uh, I think he almost snagged a, a, a nice goal later, but didn't quite hit it. But um, yep. yeah, he, he's one who looks looks destined to be a top twenty pick. Yeah, some names that you know when you you and I both go to a few Essendon forums and Bomber Blitz is obviously a, a fairly big one. Josh Rochelle, uh, is it? Is that how you say his name? Is it Rochelle? I'm pretty sure it's Rochelle. Rochelle, uh, he's one that's kind of mentioned a lot uh, by a few Essendon fans. Can a can you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, so Josh Rochelle is kind of like a Jamie Elliott type of uh, forward. So he's not the absolute quickest, but he's uh, one who has really good forward now. So he knows he knows how to win the ball. He's very good on the lead, good hands, uh, good leap on him as well. Uh, so he's hard to stop on the lead because of how smart he is and he reacts very quickly. His kicking's exceptional. He can kick 50 metres, no problem. Uh, snaps or or drop punts, he just knows where the goals are. And he can go through the midfield at times and shows and looks pretty adept when he does go through there. But he, he definitely looks like a natural goal-kicking forward in that, yeah, that Jamie Elliott role. And, and um, I mean, he obviously had an injury. I don't know what the extent of the injury was, but Jai Miss, um, he looks like a pretty promising forward prospect. Yeah, I mean, he's kicked more goals than any other uh, junior footballer this year. He's... Just, I think it was only the last two finals games where he didn't didn't kick a goal. Every single other game he played, he he was hitting the scoreboard. And I mean, it's unfortunate to see him get injured in that game. He copped a few knocks there. He's definitely getting a lot more attention now than he was at the start of the year because you know he's got that reputation now that he's a dangerous goal kicker. Uh, but he he's yeah Bailey Fritch style of forward. Even though he's one ninety five, a little bit taller than Fritch. He's probably not going to be that uh, big contested marking key forward. He's that one who's very smooth. He He's good below his knees, uh, left footer who can kick goals from anywhere. It's not just set shots. He can kick them from, you know, around the body and those types of goals as well. So uh, he's definitely more, yeah, again, he's one of those Bailey Fritch type of key forwards, which is might not, so he may not go in that top, top 10 for that kind of reason, but, I mean, it's really hard to ignore, especially when Fritch has a game that he had in grand final day. I mean, mm. a player that, you know, plays a lot like him and is taller, I mean, he might might be even more desirable. I can't believe, you know, just a side note, I just cannot believe Fritz went from 22 goals to 59 goals. That, that you know, it. I'm still, you know, in my head, like I, I, I obviously rate him now, but I never rated him before. Um, and it just, you know, he kicked like 20, 21, 22, then 59. And you're like, that is uh, just a crazy elevation. Uh, and to do six in the grand final, um, yeah, it's um, – I guess you, you covered him just 
initially, but you, you mean you had a miss at 15, but on your list on 14 is Nazai Wangani Malira. Can you just tell us a bit about him? Why, you know, the, his surname, who's, who's related to, and just how, how his progress has, has sort of come along. Yeah. So he's the, uh, the nephew of uh, Gavin Wanganine and uh, the son of uh, Terry Malira. So uh, he's definitely got the bloodlines there. He's, about that 187, 188 centimetre. So he's got some nice height about him. He loves to uh, go for a mark as well. He's got a really good leap. He doesn't always stick him, but when he goes up for him, he, it looks pretty exciting. He can get up. But um, yeah, he, he's uh, very quick. He doesn't look quick when he has the ball. He's just more agile when he has it. But he does have that really good speed. So uh, uh, when he gets his endurance up, I think he's going to be a really dangerous player long-term on that wing. I mean, he can play halfback. He can play half forward as well. I mean, a player with his skills and athletic traits, he's, it's going to hold himself well. And because of his light frame, he's probably not as contested as he could be, and that might be a little bit of an issue for him. But uh, I'm sure that that could be something that could be worked on. And, I mean, he's the one that you want getting the receive because he's just so classy with his kicking. So, yeah, so he's definitely one who's definitely pushing into that top 10 and starting to go out of our reach, to be honest. I was going to ask that question. Um, at number 14... Is that just that's based at num on current form? But there was a little bit of something shown in that game, or the over the last few games he's played, which could push him how far into the top ten? Uh, I'd say probably one of Fremantle's picks would probably be at his highest at the moment. I mean, there are a lot of players that I have you know, outside my top even fifteen that I could see still going top five to top ten. That's how even that crop is. So where Essendon are placed with that pick is actually really good because there's a good chance you're going to find a player that, you know, we would have rated in our top five anyway that just so happens to fall to us because it is so even in that crop at the moment. Mm. I mean, the Victorians not being able to have a proper national championships has really hurt uh, the valuation of where they go. But as we saw last year, a lot of the Victorians, even though they didn't play any footy, still got picked. I mean, Perkins, Cox, Reed. I mean, yeah. just for us, for example, they're, they're um, you know, Victorians who didn't get to play and have shown quite a bit of promise. So uh, it may it may mean more Victorians get picked because they feel the upside's even greater. Now, exactly. I'm so glad you didn't mention Josh here. Um, uh, also, uh, obviously, the, the the surname that stands out probably the more than anyone, even though it's not related, is number your number twelve, Arlo Draper. Uh, I, you know, obviously I got to see him before he got injured again on the, on the weekend, but he looked like he, um, he looked like a good player. Yeah. So, um, he's been one who's had a pretty good year. I mean, he, he had a, uh, an ankle injury, uh, in the middle part of the year. So I missed a little bit of footy, but I mean, he came straight back in and ended up playing some senior football and did really well in his senior debut as well. So yeah, he's one who's, uh, he had a bit of the Perkins about him as a half forward midfielder at about 185, 186 centimetre mark. Uh, he's very, very good overhead, uh, very good skills. He can really turn on a dime really well. Uh, something he showcased in his bottom age year was a lot of speed and dash, which he hasn't quite shown this year, which is a bit of a concern for me as in rating him so highly. I may have him come back a little bit later now, but um, yep. the, the, the main things he'll need to work on is his contested ability and, to really show off his athletic traits because he is athletic and I'd like to see him really take on the game more as he did last year. But uh, when he does have the ball, like he just makes things happen. 
I mean, he's not one that needs a lot of the ball to be dangerous. And when he does get to be that first position midfielder, he reminds me of a parish, the way he would attack the ball and cleanly at, at stoppages. But um, again, he, he'll need to uh, get back that thing that really got me thinking he'd be a top 10 prospect and that speed and dynamic uh, play about him, which Perkins has been able to show. Yep. Uh, look, one one player um, of that I'll let you speak about and, and you can sort of say what you think about this person and, and his prospects relating to our club, but uh, Josh Goder. Uh, yeah, I know you're high on him, so tell me about him. Yeah, so Josh Goder, I mean, to me, he seems like the typical Essendon style of player. I mean, he's from the Calder Cannons. He's a local kid. Uh, he's, you know, that 190 centimetres. He can play any position. He's very athletic. I mean, you, you have to, just have to look at Nick Cox last year and someone who's got the height, he's got the speed, he's got the got the leap, he's got got everything really. And that's what Goda has in spades. I mean, he tests elite for vertical leap and speed and he does it in game as well. I mean, there's a lot of players that will test really well but not show it in game, but he certainly does. So he's one who I think long-term should be become a midfielder, but there's every chance he still becomes an elite rebounding halfback or even a uh, dangerous forward in the, um, you know, like a Will Haywood sort of a uh, type of forward. So uh, I think he'll be elite when he gets to the next level. I mean, there's a few issues with his running ability as in like endurance and uh, probably doesn't, um, he, his kicking is good, but at times when he's uh, on the run, he, he doesn't quite steady when he's coming out of a stoppage. But I mean, that's something that can still be worked on as well. But Man, he's got the speed, he's got the power, he's got the height. So he's one that I could see being high on quite a few clubs' lists. Okay. So you have him at number nine. So uh, I missed uh, just on 10, Ben Hobbs. I just did miss Ben Hobbs. I did want to sort of – I don't know much about Ben Hobbs. Can you tell me a bit about him? So he's just a contested beast. I mean, I mean he's only that 181 centimetres, but he just attacks the ball harder than anyone. I mean, I remember watching him a couple of years ago play under-16s. And uh, he was literally pushing his own teammates out of the way to get the ball. I mean, he just wanted it that much. So he's definitely a contested ball, uh, good, clean hands. He's a smart midfielder. He's got good work rate. He can also get forward and kick a goal as well. And uh, in his under-16s year when he was playing for um, for the Rebels, he even played off half-back and showed quite a bit there as well. So yeah. uh, even though he's definitely become a really good midfielder, he, he he can play other roles as well and play them pretty much from round one next year. So he's a ready-made player. He can come in. He's got the attitude. He's got the toughness. And he's not a, hor- a horrible athlete either. He's not, not super quick, but he's definitely quick enough, really. Yep. Uh, and your number eight is Neil Erasmus. Can you tell us about him? Yeah, so Neil Erasmus, he's a very different type of player. So he's got a few similarities to some AFL players, but doesn't play exactly like them. I mean, he's got a little bit of humor cluggage about him, a little bit of Tim Taranto about him. Uh, so he's that 188 centimeter mark, really good overhead, uh, really good work rate, just knows how to win the ball. I mean, some of his, uh, his disposal numbers at school football have been unbelievable. I mean, he just knows where to go. Uh, usually got very good skills. Um, he, he will use his left foot pretty often, although his left foot usually gets into trouble a little bit. There's probably a few times when he could straighten up and use his right foot to hit his targets even better. But when he's got time and space, he hits 
he hits his uh, disposals perfectly. So he's one who he's got a lot of upside. He's not not the quickest, so he's not super like you know Taranto McCluggish. They're not the quickest players out there, but they've got football smarts. They yep. can get forward. They can kick goals. So even though he's not the most athletic player in the draft pool, he's one of the most dangerous players in the draft pool. There was one player that was um, kind of talked about more in your early days, uh, March and April, Josh Sin, um, who was like, had quite, like really big raps on. Like, uh, I remember hearing talk about, you know, top five. I know you've got him at number seven, so it's not far away, but is his year been a little bit less underwhelming or, or is there something I'm missing? Yeah, it hasn't really helped that he ha- had a couple of injuries here and there, a lot of them more contact sort of injuries, which can't really help. But um, uh, he, he like, really impressed me in the first uh, – like I went to a Centerham trial game, which, which is where I saw uh, you know, Jacob Edwards, who, who ended up going pick one in the rookie draft. Finn Callahan, I saw for the first time in that game, and he was outstanding. But Sin was the best player on the ground in that game. It, it was in the wet as well. I mean, kicked two goals, playing midfield and also off half back. He's – is just penetrating and his run and ability to be a hundred meter player who can just run the ball, kick 50 meters, run up, get it back and then kick longer again. I mean, that's the thing that really attracted me about him as a top five prospect, but there's just been a few times this year where he hasn't been able to handle the physicality at times. Uh, some, he's had a bit of attention put towards him because obviously he's a very damaging player and he hasn't quite been able to get over that yet, but, um, I mean, he was one in his under-16s year who was just an absolute gun. I mean, you could play him forward, midfield, half-back, and he'd dominate. I mean, the one thing that I really liked as an under-16, which hasn't quite shown, is the intercept marking as well. Yep. I mean, his ability to intercept mark and his courage overhead looks really good, which he hasn't shown this year, which is probably why I have him coming a little bit further back. But, I mean, in terms of elite traits, I mean, his speed and his long kicking and his ability to take the game on, is such a desirable trait for the modern halfbacks. Is there a bit of Jack Crisp about him, like from Collingwood? He's a lot quicker than Crisp. Is like, he? Okay, it, okay. Yeah. So I, I say Crisp is a more uh, is a safer kick, whereas Sin will. There's a few times where his kicking will probably get him into trouble because he is trying to take it on a bit more. But um, but Sin is lightning fast off halfback. Yeah. I mean, his highlights will probably come a little bit later on uh, on YouTube on the AFL. AFL's YouTube, and when you see him run, you'll be like, oh, yeah, he's definitely one of those rebound types who, when he gets the ball, he's gone. Uh, Josh Kipkis, tell us about him. Yeah, so he's a super athletic uh, key defender. I mean, like Goda, he's in really good speed, uh, very good vertical leap. I mean, he can just sit on heads easily. He reads the play well. I mean, he's got a little bit of Jordan Ridley about him, the way he can just intercept Mark and float in. Uh, he's got a Better leap than Ridley, but probably not as good a kick as Ridley is. But um, in terms of a long-term project, I mean, he's what, 195, 196, still developing. And with his vertical leap and ability to read the play, he's going to be a very hard defender to stop in the years to come. Yep. Uh, One name that I was always interested in, Tyler Sonsi, again, probably start of the year, felt like he was highly rated and you've got him at number five. So I'm assuming he's still highly rated. Uh, tell us a bit, tell us a bit about him. Yeah. Well, for me in particular, I still really rate him. I mean, there's a few uh, people who have cooled on him, but I, I still see what I saw in, especially in under 16s level. I mean, he was absolutely sensational. I, I remember one of the trial games I went to, like which Hobbs played in, 
and the people because I was sitting near a few recruiters and all of them were just like Sonzi, Sonzi. That that was the player that was on their minds. And then he ends up winning the Vic Metro, uh, best player for Vic Metro in that year's championships as well. So he was a star. And um, the game that really had me going, whoa, was um, he was still 16 playing in the under-18s NAB League. And he was playing on Hayden Young, who, you know, went top 10 and went up to Fremantle. And he held his own... In, in the contest with someone like Hayden Young, who's, you know, he's not small, Hayden Young. He's about that 188, 189 centimetre mark. But there was a few, like, one-on-one contests where he actually beat him. And for someone of an under-16 at that, at that, it was just really impressive. And his yeah. ability in front of goal is also outstanding. He's left foot, right foot. Uh, sometimes you can't even tell. He can kick goals on either foot. Um, I guess this year, uh, injury kind of hurt him a bit. Uh, he wasn't getting, I mean, he had one really high volume game at the start of the year and he was just in sensational 34 touches and two goals. Uh, when he debuted for Box Hill, he had 24 disposals and two goals playing under Sam Mitchell. So I, I, I'd say Sam Mitchell has a quite a bit of uh, interest in him for, for that first pick. So yep. um, I guess the, the queries are his height. I mean, he's only that 180, 181 centimetre mark. He's not a bull midfielder, but he is classy. Uh, the one player that, I mean, the one comparison that I've heard from a few scouts on him is Trent Cotchen. So people expect him to be a uh, Trent Cotchen style of midfielder, but uh, going f- going forward, he's a lot more damaging than Cotchen. I mean, he can go forward and just really cause havoc. So he's almost almost a Brownlee medalist. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I had to do that. Uh, Finn Finn Callahan, um, you got him at number four. Uh, he's from he's a Victorian boy, isn't he? Yeah. Tell us a bit about him. Yeah, so Callahan's one who was kind of out of the blue really this year. I mean, the first time we ever heard of him was when we were doing interviews at the preseason. We were interviewing some of the Sandringham prospects and they were saying, uh, look out for Finn Callahan. Look out for, for this guy's... Um, tearing up the track. He's going to be a really good player. And none of us have heard of him. He didn't play any under 16 football, didn't represent Metro. So, I mean, he was coming from a long way back. And when we finally did get to see him play uh, in that uh, trial game, geez, we were really impressed. I mean, he's a long raking left foot. He's really agile, uh, good speed, um, and just overall just very athletic and very clean and smart. Uh, he started on the wing, but then gradually moved into an inside mid type of uh, spot and did really well with that as well. So uh, he, he's one that is too hard to ignore for a top five pick. I mean, he's 189 centimetres. He's um, athletic. He's good skills, good composure. Yeah. And he, he's got a lot of development left as well. So he could get even better. Uh, you know, we'll discuss a little bit about, you know, who might be the the guys who may slide or, or who's your sort of set top four or five. Uh, but you've got Sam Darcy, number three. Um, now, is he Bulldogs affiliated? Yeah, yeah. So he's father-son for Luke Darcy. Oh, got yeah. Okay. So are they – now, to explain, the, the rule this year is that uh, with with the academy players, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that anyone in the top 20 can just select an academy player and they get him? It's only after pick twenty that that a player can beat. Am I wrong in saying that? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. But it's uh, not not the case for yeah for the father son. 
and uh, I believe for some of the um, for anyone in like the Swans or Gold Coast or any of those academies. So it's mostly for the Victorian, South Australian, West Australian prospects that it's going to be a factor for. So basically, I mean, like last year, the number one pick, if say to give you the classic example, he would have just gone to the number one choice of any team, um, instead, yep. of, instead of the Bulldogs. Uh, Jim, yeah, Hagen. Um, so that 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 change that does change things quite a bit because even though you've got a, you know, they got Sam Darcy, the Bulldogs, you know, in the academy, is am I realistic in saying they just won't get him because they just don't have that selection? Um. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. So the so the Bulldogs obviously, even though it's their academy player, because he's going to be in the top four, it's really it's not going to be then they won't have the opportunity to really get him. It'll be just open field for GWS at pick two or North Melbourne or Adelaide or they, they can just grab him basically. So, yeah, that would have been the case for Jamara if he was in this year's draft. So they wouldn't have been able to match. Yeah. yeah. But um, that, that also goes even next year. The top 20 isn't even a thing. It's the top 40. Top 40 next so year, yeah. if you get a player that's a good player in the top 40, you can't match either. Yeah. So tell, tell us about Sam Darcy anyway. So um, Sam Darcy is a very, um, very uh, talented, like key key forward, ruck, key defender. He can kind of play it everywhere, really. But I think he'll be best as a key forward. I mean, when you're that tall, I mean, he's grown to 204 centimetres. He was in under 16s, it was 191 centimetres. So he's certainly had that bit of a growth spurt. Uh, he's got a lot of upside. And when you're at that height and you have forward craft, I think you just have to play forward. I mean, it's just too valuable to play any other positions, even though he, he can be a good key defender or ruck. Yep. So he's really, um, really good skills, really smart. And um, he's uh, marking as well is just really good. He reads the ball really well in flight. Uh, he's not the, the quickest player, but he just reads it so well. Like he'll get, He'll get a few meters on on much faster players because he just knows where it's going to be. I mean, uh, I think I had a look at something in, in under 11s. He was almost winning best and fairest at that age, even though he was a tall, you know, string bean. So he's he's always had a good football pedigree, and now yeah. that he's got that height and he's got uh, that development left in him, he he could potentially be an absolute star. Yeah. Uh, look, we we both I guess we know the the ones and two. Who's one and two? Uh, we know Nick Dacos. We know the situation. Father, son will be a Collingwood player. Um, I don't want to sweep over him, but just for the sake of time, I think everyone knows he's been a gun all year. <laughs> all year. Um, I, I did see Horn Francis, uh, Jason Horn Francis, uh, that SA game on, on you know on the weekend. He clearly can seriously play. <laughs> Tell us yeah. about that game. I mean, just his year, and but that game. Uh, was it a was it a prelim or was it? Yeah, prelim. Prelim, yeah. Three goals, twenty four possessions. Uh, yeah, score involvements. Just uh, and he's and he's that young. So tell us about you know who the likely number one pick will be, Jason. Yeah, so he's one that I've had as number one since last year. I mean, he really impressed me last year playing as a bottom major. I mean, what he did uh, uh, on the weekend was what he did every single week. He would be a bull of a midfielder, win clearances, then go forward and kick goals. I mean, he's got shades of so many star players. I mean, he's got a little bit of Gary Ablett Jr. He's got a little bit of Dangerfield, a little bit of Nat Fife. He's just, 
racist. Just all these really good uh, players that he's kind of borrowed some um, some traits from. And I mean, there's any wonder he's going to be, you know, in that pick one con- conversation. I mean, the one thing that holds him back is his height compared to a lot of those players. I mean, he's at that, that 184 centimetre mark, but geez, he's just so strong for his age. He's still got uh, muscle to put on as well. I'm like, he's strong, but he can get even stronger. I mean, he, his uh, ability to work the other way as well is actually really impressive. I mean, a lot of the best young talent in the last few years, I mean, they're all one way most of the time. They just, you know, go forward, go forward. But he's had some really good tackle numbers. He gets behind the ball. He even takes intercept marks down back as well as a midfielder. So he's just someone who works hard, uh, equal both ways. So he's going to play round one next year. There's absolutely no doubt. Yep. So just quickly... Essendon, obviously, you have pick 11, 48, and 54. Let's start with 11. If Who would be several names that you would think Essendon would heavily consider? Uh, at which pick? At, at 11? Yeah, 11. 11. Um, well, personally, I would I would look at someone like a Josh Goda, mostly because of how versatile he is and such a high-level talent that he is as well. I mean... Right now, we're not sure exactly what type of position we need to fill because, you know, Paris has come on. We've still got Caldwell to go through there. We don't know what Perkins is going to be. So if we can pick a player that is like a Cox who could be anything, I mean, why wouldn't you go for someone who's as well a local player? You know, he's got, got all the got all the, got all all the the tools really and just strikes me as a real Essendon-style pick as well. But, yep. I mean, if not him, I mean... Uh, Wangane Malira would be a really good choice just on the wing, just with his class. I mean, you know, someone who can just hit up inside 50. I mean, I mean, our biggest issue against Melbourne when we played them this year, like we, we were close to beating them and it was just our entries inside 50 that were just just not good enough. So someone who can just hit, lace out passes inside 50 would just be an absolute premium as well. I mean, again, we could still use some more absolute balls in the middle as well if we need to. I mean, Rutten said today that he wants to see a bit of the, the, the contested side improved but from within, but, I mean, you can't rely on it even though you'd want to. So getting someone like a Ben Hobbs who is a contested beast and someone who can even fill a role back or forward if need be round one next year, I mean, he instantly, instantly makes our crop next, our team next year look stronger as well. Yeah. So um, they're, they're just a few names that I, I'd consider at that pick. But at this stage, there are so many players that I've heard that could be available at that pick. I mean, yeah. just about every day I'm hearing a different person who could be available at that pick that we've got an interest in. So, uh, I mean, until we get closer to the draft, I mean, it's just a lottery at the moment about who we want. But from from what I gather is if one of someone like a Josh Goder or Wanganin Malira are available, we'll probably pick one of those two. Now, um, yeah, pick, pick 48. I mean, we can you just talk about names that might – that you think uh, from your sort of research that might appear later in the draft? Um, I mean, I've got one name, but uh, you're probably going to mention this name anyway, another Indigenous boy, but uh, who have you got kind of as options for 48 and 54 if they're there after the trade period? I'll say, <laughs> say that. Yeah, so I know who you're going to talk about, so I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> let you uh, bring that one up. So I'll go for a few others, but... um. A player that I've really liked and that I know uh, that we have an interest in is Luke Nankervis from Sandingham Dragons. He's one who's uh, kind of a half-forward wing type, tallish 
about that 189, 190 centimetre mark. And now he's just got those traits that, uh, like when you saw with Melbourne and the way they played against the Bulldogs, they were just go, go, go. When they got the ball, that was just surge, surge, surge mentality. And he's got that in him. So he's, um, he'll get the ball, he'll get a handball off, and he'll keep running and he'll keep presenting. He's clean, he doesn't fumble. Uh, he's consistent. He's not quite there because, you know, playing as a, a, a light bodied half forward is a hard spot to play when you're in, in local footy. So uh, he's one who kind of got a late-ish combine invite. So he's not expected to go in the top 50 or so, but he's one that is in my top 50. He's one who has a tremendous amount of upside and I can see why us and a few other clubs would be pretty keen on him. Yeah. I mean, any relation to the man curve? Sorry, Scotty, no. any relation? No. no. Uh the, the guy that, I mean, I'd love us to look at, uh, he, his name's Ronald. Now, I don't know how I actually say his surname. It's, it's either Fajo or Fayo, um, but I'll say Ronald. Is it Fajo or Fayo? I thought it was Fago, but I, I, I haven't watched watched his game uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. for a little bit. I mean, I did watch his latest reserves game, but I still couldn't remember exactly where it was. I might have to check it myself. But... F-E-J-O. But Ronald, I'll just say Ronald Fayo Jr., uh, an indigenous boy, 181 centimetres. I mean, if you go to YouTube, just go to Ronald Fajo Jr. <laughs> uh, this, I'm trying to work out why am I talking about him at pick 48 from those highlights? Because what am I – there's obviously something that that I'm missing because, I mean, he looks like he can get out of trouble at the greatest of ease <laughs> and deliver the ball. So t- tell me a bit about him and, and – Possibly if you know his strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, so like Dan Curvis, he got a kind of a late-ish combine invite. So, again, he's not expected to go that high. Uh, the Probably the issues have been that he's playing reserves football uh, in, in South Australia, not, you know, a league football. So, I mean, it's not the greatest standard of competition, the, the sample reserves. So, I mean, he's only playing well against that kind of group. So, but they don't know how he's going to go up against the you know, the better clubs, is he going to get away with what he does uh, at the reserves level, you know, up playing a level above. But I mean, and it looks like he has the the skill, the poise, uh, the athletic traits to at least be considered a, as a, as a national draft pick. And I mean, he's another one who's in my top 50 at the moment. I mean, he, he just looks very impressive as a halfback wingman type, type of role. I mean, if he could develop more of a maybe more of a slightly bit more of a contested game or maybe even as a um trying to develop as like a backline stopper i mean he could play on some of those quicker small forwards but then also create i mean that that would be a really desirable trait for him uh going forward so yeah he's definitely one that uh we've got a bit of interest in and one that you know i wouldn't mind getting at one of those picks not at all uh, and you know just as we start to go to the question soon just on the academy players, we've got Tex Wanganeen, um, a city, uh, Love at Murray's boy, um, and then looking at the Davies the following year. Can can you just give us an update uh, of what's the expectation around some of these guys? So currently, it's looking like Tex Wanganeen might be our only uh, father son taken this year. Uh, uh, Mercedi has not not really had the best of years this year. He's been in and out of the colder side. Uh, he's probably more likely to get signed up to our VFL side uh, next year, but 
mean, he could be one that develops a bit. He's got a really good vertical leap and he's a really good kid as well. I mean, out of all our interviews we had at, uh, at the preseason, he was one of the most impressive. So, I mean, he's a good, good, good head in his shoulders. He's a good size. So at the very least, he could be a really handy VFL player for us. And, um, I mean, I haven't been able to see anything of Alex Hurd. I mean, he hasn't been playing any senior football. I mean, not senior, but any NAB league football. So he's a bit of an unknown. Uh, now we more, uh, I heard that he might be even preferring uh, basketball out of football at this stage. So, uh, I mean, he's got the athletic traits and he's definitely got a little bit of ability about him, but um, he's definitely got some... Um, He's definitely got some talent, but it was he was one who kind of had an up and down year as well this year. So he was no guarantee to get picked up. But uh, of of all of them, I've heard is that Tex Wanganine is the one that we will take and one that where you know the feeling looks to be mutual that he'd want to play with us. Okay. Uh, so looking towards the following year, the how has the have you felt the Davies have progressed this year? Um, yeah, to and is there likelihood? Do you still think that we will try and get both? Uh, absolutely, we'll get both. I mean, I think it was there'd be no doubt that they're going to be uh, picked up by us in the end of next year. I mean, uh, Alan Junior is one I've seen a lot more than Jaden. I mean, Jaden had his ACL injury, which was unfortunate, uh, and he only got to play a couple of games at the end of uh, end of this year. I mean, I really wanted to go to some of those games, but COVID kind of wanted to ruin that for us. But, um, I mean, it, you, I think everyone's nearly seen the highlights of those two from the uh, for Xavier College this year and some of the players they've had. I mean, they're both electric. They're both really exciting talents. Uh, they've still got to get that endurance up. I mean, it's a common common issue for a lot of players from the Northern Territory is that the endurance levels just aren't quite there compared to a lot of the uh, a lot of other states. So that's something that will be worked on. And it's going to be good for them being, you know, playing under the Oakley Chargers, which they will next year in Xavier College, because there's a lot more running they'll have to do. They're going to be involved with a lot more elite talent and get a better gauge of uh, how good they really can be. But uh, in terms of Alwyn Jr., right now he's in my top 20 for next year with Jaden probably 30 plus at the moment, mostly because he's come off an ACL and I haven't seen as much of him, but, uh, if if things go well for them, if they have a good good season, uh, they, they can work on their endurance, then I'd be shocked if they're not both top 30 picks next year. And thank goodness their father's sons are not academy picks. When Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, if Alwyn Jr. comes on really strong and then suddenly gets into, you know, like a 10th or top 10 kind of pick, it'd be a huge thing. I mean, I still feel like, I know we've got... Um, Waller uh, and Smith a bit, uh, but I still feel like there's just a, a depth area with the small forwards um, that we may that we look at, and it it must be a consideration this year, even just going into the draft and knowing what's happening the following year. Uh, to to you know, do I just hold off on a small forward this year, even though we may need one? Um, but do I look in in sort of inside the club initially, see what I've got? And then I know I've got these two guns coming, coming through. So, uh, and look, just lastly, before we go to the questions, am I right in saying that <laughs> Essendon are linked to the best 12 year old in the country? <laughs> yeah. Well, at this stage, it kind of, kind of looks like it. I mean, you just have to go by uh, 
the history that Kobe Buick has had as a kid. Um, since he was seven years old, he has been playing under 11s football. In his second year of under, of when he was eight years old, he won his club's best and fairest in under 11s. I mean, he's been someone who's been good for a long, long time. And the way he's tracking, uh, but you don't want to go a bit too far, but because <laughs> he's, 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 acc- he's yeah, his accolades are right up there with some of you know the Matt Rouse, the Nick Dacos's, <laughs> what they were showing when they were that age. So uh, basically, he's a better footballer now than his dad was. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no, I w- I w- yeah, I wouldn't no. go that far, but um, okay. I mean, yeah, he le- recently won the uh, the under 12s league best and fairest in the EDFL playing for Strathmore. Uh, he's playing with a one of the young Alessios as well in that side. So, yeah, he, he's one that uh, would have also played in the under-12s for Victoria this year as well if they were able to have those games. I mean, they had a representative side, which he made. So uh, he's one who, if you look back at all the Essendon uh, newsletters that they've had about the the NGAs, they'll, they'll write a bit up about him. And just every time you see it, he's won something. He's got a medal. He's got a trophy. I mean, uh, goal-kicking or anything, but um, yeah, so he's one to definitely look out for for the years to come. Don't want to put too much pressure, but I mean, he's making it hard by winning all these awards. Don't want to put too much pressure on a kid that's playing under 11s, but we're really looking forward to you being a gun, kid. <laughs> Hurry up. Hey, we're just going to go to a quick 30-second break. We'll come straight back, Edward, and Grant's going to start uh, rolling off some questions. And grant us, you cannot be good. Be good if we could hear the music there, Scotty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Thank you very much, Scotty. Um, and a massive thank you for Ed for that uh, for that start of the show and and, uh, and running down the top 20 picks. Um, we go to the uh, question section um, of the show. Um, we'll start off with Charlie. Charlie Keegan's asked, um, do we reckon that the AFL-making clubs take three picks at the national draft is harmful for clubs like Essendon looking to consolidate their lists. Now, I was not aware of this. Do we have to take three picks, do we? Uh, you can take three picks, but that also includes upgrading rookies. So if we want to upgrade one of our rookies, that can in- be included as three draft picks. So we can decide, you know, we only want to take two draftable players that we want with, you know, pick 11 and pick 48. But with that pick 53, we can just use to uh, upgrade a rookie. So... Uh, it's uh, there's a there's a workaround that clubs will find if they don't want to take too many players they can just do that. Okay, um, the next question we got Wayne Fenton. Um, Wayne, I think we've had that one answered in that which father sons do we think will draft this year? That's probably just going to be text. Do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, just text at the moment. Uh, now we more probably an outside chance if he decides he wants to go th- with footy instead of basketball. But um, yeah, th- uh, I think Tex Wanganeen is probably very likely to be taken onto the rookie list. I must admit, I saw Noah um, train um, at the hangar. He's got a fair amount about him. He's got some good movement, looks well and truly like his dad. But I just wonder why, you know, I suppose he's got to want to play footy, I suppose. But if he puts his hand up and says, yeah, I really want to play it, then, geez, I'd, I'd be having a good look at him. 
yeah, well, man, he's super athletic. I mean, he tested really well for athleticism at the start of last year's uh, testing. I'm not sure if he uh, if he tested at the start of this year. I mean, I saw him there, but I'm not sure if he actually did any of the testing. But um, yeah, he's a superb athlete, and from what I hear, he's very good with his basketball as well. So obviously, that's a you know something he's got a bit of passion in as well. He's he's watching Patty Mills as we speak right now, going, "That could be me." Yeah. Um, all right, so Matty Pocock again. Um, now, this is a big call. I like where Matt's head um, is at on this one, um, right at the beginning, and then he, he goes really ambitious with the, with the call, but I like it. Um, it's been suggested that we'll trade our first pick next year for Gold Coast's pick 19 and 22 this year. Your thoughts? Uh, as a rule, I don't like trading future first-rounders, mostly because you never know where you're going to finish. I mean, you look at someone like a Melbourne, not last year, but the year before they finished, you know, top four, they played in a prelim and then the next year they're bottom four and they're getting what Luke Jackson. So, and you're potentially missing out on an absolute star. So as much as uh, it, it could turn out well, if we are really, really confident, we can, you know, take that next step next year and we're confident our picks at 19 and 22 will be someone that we would have had near our top 10 at, uh, this year, then, I mean, I'll, I'll leave that for us to, to do, but um, I don't think we're trading pick 11, personally. Right. But... Cool. Um, now, this is where uh, Matt's gone a bit nuts, but I love it. Um, also, given that it won't be fair on the opposition to play Josh Air because he'll dominate every back, back line imaginable, love it, Matt. Uh, sure what's the likelihood? Are you sure this is from Matt? <laughs> it is. Matt, thumbs up, please. Um He'll dominate every backline imaginable. What's the likelihood that we'll draft or trade for a key position forward this year or next? And Matt's gone way to the top here. E.g., e- e- King or Logan McDonald? So I don't think we need any more young key forwards. I reckon we have enough on the list as it is. So if I was going to take a key position player, I would take a ready-made, you know, ready to go. But even then, like I think James Stewart, is another one you could just throw as a key forward and he'd be more than serviceable. I mean, I prefer him forward than backline, to be honest. So, um, and in terms of, you know, trading away your future first rounder, that's uh, a pick that you might need to use for, you know, a Ben King if you want to get him in. So if you're trading your future first rounder, that's leaving you very bare to actually get a deal done. So that's another thing. When you're trading future first round picks, you're, you're losing an ability to get, better players in in that year when players are coming out of contract. So um, uh, would I go for a Ben King? Absolutely. I mean, he's an absolute star. But um, currently, I don't think getting in another young uh, key forward or key defender is what the list needs right now. We have more than enough. All right. Um, Dr. Strangelove um, has actually, he's just put a statement out there. Who is our lightning quick, evasive, small forward? I'd, I would answer Waller. Is that? But is it just me, um, Ed, or is people sort of maligning Waller at the moment? We I, we sort of say we want another small forward. Scotty looked at it and said, "Ah, oh, I think I want a small forward." Has people forgotten about the first half of the year that Waller had? I think it's more people wanting support for for, for Waller more so than you know he's not having good to, uh, good year, so we want to you know not play him in the seniors. I think it's more. Uh, to, to lighten the load, not have to align him to kick all the goals, added pressure. I mean, uh, he's obviously uh, very well credentialed. Everyone loves him. The supporters love him. There's a lot of expectation for him to be 
an absolute gun. And when he's not, um, that's that's when things can, you know, get, you get a bit down on yourself. You're not playing to the best of your abilities because you're getting shut down. You're the only small forward and you're shutting you down every week. So, uh, yeah, honestly, I've got no wishes with Waller there. I mean, he's definitely still an absolute gun. And if he has someone to kind of lighten the load for him, he's just going to be even better as well. And I think that's the the, the mosquito strategy that was taking place. It's just, it just, yeah, obviously we all know it didn't work out. So Yeah, and, and just on mosquito, I still agree with that selection at the time. I mean, he, oh, he was yeah. definitely he was definitely worth it at that selection. He wasn't a um, he wasn't someone who we you know took too early. He was definitely someone who should have been rated around that point. And if he doesn't get that ACL, who knows what happens? He maybe stays around. He enjoys his footy. He plays some games under Rutt and starts to really love it. And then Wallace just keeps still loving his footy as well. It's just one of those unfortunate things. Yeah, um, Steve Ems has just sort of made a statement. So they're basically. With the change to the academies thing, you said we're basically removing academies. Uh, for anyone but the northern states, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, um, and if you've got anyone worth getting, I mean, they're probably going to take it in the top 40 and you won't have access to them, which is going to be an, uh, an issue next year when we've actually got a few pretty well-regarded NGA players playing for Calder Cannons and uh, another one in Anthony Mankara, who's from Tiwi Islands, who's started to show quite a bit as well. I mean... Uh, it's bad timing for us, I guess. But, um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I like that the NGAs aren't, won't be controlling the draft as much as they used to be. I, I'm still a big fan of the father-son rule. I do not want that to go away. But ha- ha- although it kind of sucks for us, I do agree with, you know, not having, you know, NGA players going in the top 10 every every uh, year. I, I look, I couldn't agree more. And doesn't it doesn't bother me if we're affected by it. I just think you cannot have a Bulldogs team finishing high up the ladder and just going, great, here's Hugo Agen. Um, I, I, I can't stand that situation because it, it's nothing, you know, father-son is is a totally, was a totally respectable idea that had a historical part of the game. I think fans embraced it. Just teams just saying, here, come join our academy um, and then they can just have access to them no matter what. I reckon it's just, tampering I don't know I can't stand it just it should be just no who are the top 20 players here's the top 20 picks for each team you can get the best talent and have the bottom eight have access to you know to to top end talent so it's a much more even competition yeah Yeah, I think I think yeah that I'll I'll agree with in in the chat there that a top 40 I think is a bit extreme I think uh, the top 20 the thing that they have this year is is kind of perfect, really. Yeah, I agree. But because there are some players that clubs are putting a lot of time into that probably wouldn't get taken either way, you know, in between the 20 and 40, I think that's fine if they can match bids there. It's just that top 20 you kind of want to protect and, uh, you know, that's just how things go. Yep. All right. Um, Phil Christofaro, um, how do we get Wanganine and the Davy Twins all in the same draft next year? Now, we're going to go with Tex... This year. Well, so, yeah. yeah, text meaning the – sorry, uh, Phil, do you mean um, Wangaline Malera or just the normal text Wangaline? Uh, but we should get text this year and then the Davey Twins next. Yeah, so, I, I mean, either way, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have to work out points next year for both Davey boys. Um, I mean, the only thing stopping them from getting a bid would be if they both, you know, touch wood aren't getting a really bad injury for that year and, um, I mean – 
I mean, some supporters will probably want them to get injured so they're not getting picked up early. But, I mean, I want to see these kids playing. I want to see them enjoying their under-18s footy. I mean, I always find it really difficult to see young players not being able to play due to injuries. And, uh, yeah, that's the only thing stopping them from getting good bids, I reckon. So Mm. uh, we're going to have to try and sort it out. But that doesn't have to be something we need to do this year. We can still do that next year. Okay. Um, Linton on his iPhone has asked, do we know of any academy players for other teams that we could select with pick 11 or pick 48? Um, well, with pick 48, it's going to be outside that pick 40. So unless a club does not want that academy player, they're probably going to get them anyway. But in terms of high-end NGA, there's uh, Mac Andrew, who's um, was going to be in Melbourne's, but he's almost guaranteed to go in the top 20 but he's probably not even going to make it to our pick anyway, but he's one that you could possibly see getting a bid. Um, uh, Machido Owens, who is a secure NGA. Uh, there are some clubs that do like him in that top 20 range. So the Saints will be hoping that nobody else does. But um, I mean, he's another one of those 190 centimetre can play anywhere types, a bit like a Goda, very good athleticism. Um, Marcus Windhager is another one from Saints NGA. I personally don't have him as a top 20 prospect, but I mean, he's one that still could get a bid there. Um, for the Giants, they've got Josh Fay, um, but they can they can match that bid anyway because they are a Northern Academy. So uh, not much you can do there. But I really like Josh Fay. He's a bit like a, a prime Michael Hibbard in that really good uh, long left foot interceptor, tough. But um, even later, if there is a few clubs that may not be able to match bids, one of them is Yusef Dib who's in Collingwood's NGA. So, I mean, they may not be able to do anything with uh, all the picks that they'd lose for having to match day costs. So that could leave Dib there to just kind of take. So, I mean, he's a small forward who can play uh, midfield or even off half back. He's a very crafty player. Um, so he's, he's another one that you could possibly look at. Look, just okay. sorry, just quickly, Edward. I was going to ask this before, but then I, I just saw a pop-up from Wayne Fenton and asked the same question I was about to ask. So, Wayne, uh, good question. Um, what... We've actually discussed Tex Wanganine, but what actually position does he play? Can you tell us a little bit about his his skills and, and the position he plays? So I've only seen him play twice, and that was uh, when he was playing uh, last year just before COVID hit for uh, Oakley Chargers. He played in the twos. He was rotating midfield and half forward. Uh, the first game he was midfield rotating, rotating off the bench. The second game he put he went midfield forward. Uh, didn't get much game time, but uh, he showed quite a bit when he was out there. I mean, he was only kind of slight. He was only about the 175 centimetre mark last year, but uh, by all reports, he's actually grown a little bit as well. So uh, if I was to say, he'd probably be, you know, your midfielder who can go um, can go forward, maybe like a Shane Edwards type of player. Okay. Go for it, Grant. Right. Um Lucas has asked, uh, with the Davy boys coming through next year, should we consider offloading our 2022 first round pick? We've sort of spoken about that and try and get a couple of second round picks in this year's draft, e.g. Collingwood's 19 and 22 or Hawthorne's 21 and 24. And then would there be some good small to medium defensive options around these picks? Maybe a Darcy Wilmot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Darcy Wilmot is a player that I absolutely love. I mean, the reason I don't have him high is because he is a pure halfback and those players don't usually go so high. But um, he's speed, his uh, ability to take the game on, his kicking's really good. He is literally a day away from being 
eligible for next year's draft as well. So there's a lot of development left with him. I mean, uh, when I was watching Vic Metro Vic Country at Windy Hill, uh, he was the most vocal out there. He was very supportive. He was always, and even on the bench, he was just yelling out and being supportive and, you know, treating all these guys he's never played with as his own teammate. And uh, I mean, I just loved that. I mean, he's got good upside, good, good toughness, good skills. Um, uh, he's really a quintessential halfback that you'd want, someone who can stop a player but also run and carry. I mean, he absolutely tortured Josh Rochelle in that first half that they played in. I mean, Josh Rochelle couldn't get a touch. So they had to move him into the midfield, Rochelle, to get him away from Wilmot just in order to get him into the game. So, I mean, he's tenacious um, and just good, looks to have some good leadership qualities. So, I mean, I don't agree with trading out a future first, as I've said before, but if we're going to do that and we're going to take a Darcy Wilmot there, I mean, it'd be hard to complain because he's probably one that would have gone, if he was born just a day later, he probably could have gone top 10 in the next year. So, mm. yeah, who knows? Um, a question from uh, Steve again, Steve Evans. Um, Given that Tex Wanganin could go to Port, does he need to nominate Essendon? Yeah. So, and it looks very, uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to nominate us as well. I mean, He's got a good relationship with the Davy Twins, who he plays with at Xavier College and Oakley Chargers with. I mean, he's flown down here to do his schooling. Uh, I remember uh, one of the games last year that I went to. I mean, the Davy Twins played the game before Tex. And right before that under-16s game, all three of them were just kicking the footy uh, out on the ground. They're the only ones on the ground. All three just kicking the footy. Tex had some red and black uh, socks on. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. Pr- I'm. I'm pretty sure he's going to nominate yeah, Essendon. We like. We like that a lot. Even yeah. even in the preseason, yeah, Matt, you'll you'll Matt, you'll um uh back me up on this. You actually went to some of the preseason match simulations, and Tex was uh, on the the boundary line. Um, probably in a moon boot, but but he was fully engaged uh, watching the guys play. Um, so yeah, it felt like he was very much going to nominate us. Um, all right. Question again from Charlie Keegan. Um. The West Twins. What do we think of the West Twins? Do we know who they are? Uh, that would be um, uh, Scotty West uh, Twin Boys. Um, they okay. didn't make. They didn't make Calder Cannon's uh, squad, so they're probably not likely to be drafted. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Right, that's the end of those guys. Um, <laughs> off for a job. It came up. But speaking um, of West, <laughs> speaking of West, I think Riley West is one that Bombers will probably be looking looking at uh, in the trade period. He's got a. He's got a year left in his contract there, but uh, you know, if he wants Few to whispers, uh, make a yes. move, I mean, Few his whispers. his old man wasn't too happy with the way he was treated this year, so you never know. Okay, uh, then Jono's just mentions just thrown out there the Kobe Buick train. I love it, <laughs> greatest under sevens footballer that ever lived. Um, <laughs> and then a great a great comment from Matt again, the little bugger. I'm 30 and I'm still not good enough to play under elevens football. <laughs> I like that. Um, <laughs> Steve uh, Steve M's again popped up. Was there already a, a Buick boy that didn't pan out? Uh, there might have been. I'm I, I'm not I'm not too sure about that. Maybe maybe not. I'm I, I can't really recall much of the players that didn't get picked up. I'm also know the ones that did. To be honest, <laughs> that only only in, only interested in the winners. Um, <laughs> is Sam Butler um, in, in in commas? It's got Taylor Rebels looking to be a second rounder. Any chances a third rounder? Uh, no chance of a third rounder, I don't think. Uh, he, he could even push for top 20 at the moment. I mean, he's the uh, younger brother of Dan Butler, who's a, you know, oh, yeah. used to play for Richmond, yeah. playing at the Saints. He's 
slightly different, but still more of that forward who can go for the midfield. Uh, he's pretty tenacious, really good, really good, uh, really good clean hands. So when he goes for the ball, he doesn't fumble. Uh, got a nose for goal. Fairly athletic. Um, his consistency has probably been a bit up and down. He got an injury at a pretty bad time as well. But um, yeah, he's one that I. He's not in my top twenty at the moment, but he's one that you know. If if I was Essendon and I had say a pick eighteen or seventeen, and we picked him, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's fine. Can I ask a random question, Ed? I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, the guys that we drafted last year, if I say Zach Reed, Nick Cox, Archie Perkins, and I'm going to throw in Harry Jones because he played his first full year, who out of those are you most excited about? Harry Jones. That's a tough one, but um, I think Nick Cox. Nick Cox. I think he's he has shown this year that he could be he could be anything. He could be absolutely anything. Like I, I'm not even putting it out of the realms that he becomes one of our star midfielders in the stoppages as well. I mean, he's gone. He's far past what I expected of him when I saw him as a junior, and I still fairly rated him as a junior as well, but. Um, he could be literally anything, but uh, I mean, of all, all the players you you didn't list there, that's someone who I'm really excited about. It's Kane Baldwin. I mean, mm-hmm. he's. I mean, everyone's thinking, oh, who's going to be our big, you know, contested marking key forward? I mean, that's his bread and butter. I mean, Baldwin is your typical center half, center half forward, just big clunking marks, will tackle hard. I mean, uh, he's, he's a big boy if he gets too. A, yeah, if he gets an injury free run. He'll be playing senior football next year. I have no doubt. Are we whispering Courtney Johns type like uh, references? <laughs> I'm not. You know when Ed's not happy about that comment when he's just silent. Um, <laughs> James Miller um, has uh, put in a question: Dodoro, the big red fire train. I put that in there. Um, under Sheedy's guidance, has always liked to build from the spine. Um, other clubs such as North have made it clear made it a clear focus to build their midfield. Do you view one way as better than the other for the modern game? Mm, It's a tough one. Um, Drafting wise, it's probably, it's probably shown that you should be drafting midfielders and trading for key position players. I mean, you look Mm. at what Melbourne did. They traded for Jake Lever and they traded for Stephen May. They traded for Ben Brown. Um, and they got Fritsch as more of a mature ager type, and um, Tom McDonald they had as a defender. They threw forward, so and they drafted yeah. Petrarca, They drafted Oliver. They just so they've drafted their gun mids. I mean, they they did draft Jackson, who's you know kind of an exception to the rule, sort of. But um, I think yeah, um, if there is an absolute gun key position player, you still try and take them because the success rate of a good getting a good key position player is a lot tougher. I mean, good midfielders you can find later in the draft, but it's really, really hard to find good key position players later in the draft. So if you're going to bite the bullet, you, you do it early. If not, you're just, you know, you're taking your, your, your fresh bet. You're taking, um, you, you're taking the, the gun midfielder. All right. Um, John has mentioned, and I'm not sure if we spoke about him earlier, uh, Mitch Nevitt from the Geelong Falcons. Yeah, so he, he's, your, he's your tall mid. I mean, he's, what, 192, 193 centimetres. Uh, 
fairly athletic for his size as well. Good hands. He's got good work rate. Loves to tackle. Uh, fairly decent overhead. Uh, kicking's probably his one area of concern. But if I was to compare him to a player, it'd probably be Hugh Greenwood from the Gold Coast. So he'll be one of those players who's will get around your 20 to 25 touches a game, you know, over 10 contested possessions, will get you five to 10 tackles every game. Won't be your out-and-out star midfielder, but one that, you know, as a big, tall, contested midfielder would probably be. And because he is sort of athletic, unlike uh, players like Constable and Brody who haven't quite come on, he's one who has got a bit of athleticism about him. So he's one that could really develop for the modern game as a taller midfielder. What just uh, sorry if there's a question on this, but when you hear the name Dunstan, are you tempted? Uh, for the right price, I am. Um, I, I didn't mind Dunstan in his draft year. Uh, the kicking is a little bit of a concern at times, but um, uh, when I saw him younger, I, he reminded me of a Heppel, the way he's kind of can, can, can find the ball. Uh, he's pretty good in the contest. Uh, Bio reports a very good leader as well. Uh, one of the concerns has been his defensive ability, you know, his defensive running. I mean, he will tackle and he'll do all that, but his ability to get back and help defenders isn't quite there. So, Is that from work that, rate or pace? Probably pace. I wouldn't say yeah. from work rate because from, from what I understand, his work rate's yeah. been pretty good. That's what I even thought. From I a thought junior. It's just not quick. That's probably just more what's catching him. Yeah. Out. So, and that's probably why, I mean, he, he got some, quite a few Brownlow votes. So he's definitely good enough to be, you know, a best 22 player. But I mean, long-term, I'd, I'd rather play Caldwell to be, to be perfectly honest yeah. in that role if he's there. But um, I mean, if he's struggling to get to get to a club, I mean, he's too good a player not to be on a list. I mean, I mean if you're going to take him as depth as a midfielder, if you get some bad injuries, I mean, I mean, he's not too old either. So mm. yeah, for the right price, yeah, I, I don't mind. I'm probably a little bit cold on it that, I, I'm happy to take him, but with the understanding that he has to work into the best 22. Um, that That's my only kind of feeling I've got about it is I think I don't mind us having some depth, but as long as he knows it's depth. <laughs> um, thing is, though, he, he's leaving St Kilda because he's not playing the months. Yeah, but yeah, so he, he's obviously out of favour with, with um, Ratton at, at the Saints. He's made it pretty clear that the coach doesn't rate him. Um, so, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. I I don't mind him getting him for nothing, but, you know, I'm so high, as people know, on Jai Colball that front and centre, I would rather have development minutes into Jai. He's only played 13 senior games, so he's he's got so much to catch up on. Um, and then I don't... I kind of want an Archie Perkins to start having a, you know, start upping his mid midfield minutes and uh, and start, you know, just growing and developing. So that's that's my only view is I don't want guys coming in because even the, you know, we'll, it wasn't like a, a, a talk like it was going to happen, but Rendell was talking about, oh, if Cunnington wants to leave North Melbourne, he should go to Essendon. And you go, no. <laughs> like, I love Cunnington. He's actually one of my favourite players, but he's 30 years old. He's I, not the right fit. No, mm-hmm. I, I want guys... We've got a lot of guys that we've drafted. Uh, and I, that's why I like Truck's messaging, I think, has been pretty spot on. He's saying, look, I'm still looking internally at what I've got. And I'm going to, I first want to understand that and play them. And I think that's perfectly how I how I see things is, is understand what you've got. Because he had the example, you know, I wanted to see what Laverde had down back. Bang. You know, I wanted to see, you know, um, he was talking about how he, you know, he moved Happel back and he moved... Laverde back and um, 
and and things have worked out. Uh, he's found some gold there. So I think he believes strongly in the in the list. So that's my personal view. But go for it, Grant. What's the next? We've only cool. got just just to just mind you, we've probably only got about five more minutes because it's yep, beautiful. So I'll whip through a few quick ones. Excellent, just broad comment by Ricky Mott. Nick Dayscost is a poor man's Kobe Bu- uh, Buick. I like that. Um, <laughs> uh, the most Charlie's gone. The most the most successful Baldwin since Alec. I like that a lot. Um, uh, who's the most likely player on our list who hasn't played a game, excluding Reed, likely to get a shot next year? Well, he's probably here to answer it, but yep, yeah, Kane Baldwin, I'd say. All right, Ben Long. What do we think? He's got issues, apparently, like attitude issues. Um, for a late pick, I would look at him mostly because he's just tough and yeah. athletic. Uh, he's probably going to get suspended a few times, but uh, <laughs> he, he's one that plays on the edge. He's if he if he wants to leave, I'd see Richmond going for him one hundred percent. He's the typical type of Richmond style player that you know plays on the edge, fairly good athletically, can play a, a whole heap of different positions. But you know, honestly, I'd rather play someone like Sam Durham in, in those positions that Long would play anyway. So, I mean, for a late pick or, or something like that, I'd look at him. But otherwise, I'm not not too fussed. What do you, right. What do you think of Hurd's chances next year? Generally, uh, of of moving into a forward pocket kind of spot. He needs to work on his uh, body size. Yeah. He's still way too light, even for VFL football. I've found he gets pushed off the ball really easily and. Um, it just every time I see him out there, it looks like he's going to get broken in half. So, I, yeah, I, 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 his work rate's fantastic. Like if you watch him training, like he he's in the top. Like honestly, he's in the top three or four in running. Like he he runs so hard. And his work rate's through the roof. Like obviously he's old man. Um, and I thought, I look. I'll be honest. The first half of the year, I was like, mm, this is you know this is this is I'm not really sure how he's going to go. I felt like for some reason the last month of football, he just started to show something. And I went, oh, okay, this is something, there's something here. Uh, and so he, he needs a big off season. He needs to get some muscle and, and get, um, but th- he did show something, I thought, in the last month of footy that was was genuine. It wasn't just a, oh, he's nice, last name, surname's heard. So it was like, oh, no, there's something about you in the last month that's actually starting to click. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, uh, he started to come good when he played as a forward. So, I mean, he was playing back line at the start of the year, yeah, even some true. wing. Yeah. But uh, for someone who's got such a good work rate and good hands and can kick a goal, I mean, it's just a natural fit as a forward, to be perfectly honest. I mean, being a high endurance runner doesn't really lend well to being a backman in, in the modern game, but it lends really well, which is why Will Snelling uh, does so well. And Dylan Clark keeps getting games because they could run and run. As a, as a modern day forward, you have to push up high up the ground. You've got to be involved in the in, at stoppages as well, which is another reason why he's got to build his muscle. But yeah, that's literally the only thing I feel he needs to work on more than anything else is that is that body size. And if he gets that sorted, he'll play senior football. I reckon. Mm. Okay, Sam uh, Jono's reckon Sam Conforti. Um, is he someone we could look at as a rookie? Oh, he's a good player. Uh, his best chance will be as a rookie, considering you didn't get a combine invite. I mean, 120 players got invited to the combine and he wasn't one of them. So that shows that not a lot of other clubs are, would be that keen on him. So, I mean, if we're taking him as a rookie, we're probably the only ones who would. But, um, I mean, 
if that, he, even if he doesn't, I mean, he definitely plays VFL for us next year and he has a good chance of playing a full year of VFL, not having yeah. to go from, you know, under-19s Bendigo and there he can get a bit more uh, continuity with some teammates and uh, he'd be a good fit. I mean, he's one who's been pretty well highly regarded since under-16s. I'm, I'm, if I recall correctly, he was one of the uh, MVPs for Vic Country back in under-16s. So, He's always been a very good smaller player, but, you know, that height has always been a bit difficult and he is more of an outside type. But um, I, I feel like if we took him with the rookie rookie list spot, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too, too down the dumps with that. But um, if not, he plays VFL for us next year and can work again at trying to get drafted the next year. I, I mean, I like him. Um, I, I saw three or four games with him when they were playing more at Windy Hill um, when we were allowed to. Um, I thought there was something about him. Um, he was really well balanced, uh, pretty good kick. Uh, there was just something about him where he did just one or two things of real quality. I went, oh, is it your player? I'm definitely going to watch probably next year in the VFL. I, I kind of sent you right. He's probably going to have another year of VFL, but he won't, surpri- it won't surprise me if his stock, be like a hindy, kind of like his stock could rise uh, and then some clubs will look at him as he matures. Grantus, we're well, only got yeah, last uh, one. Last gonna... question. Last question we've got. Um, Jono calls a Toby Conway the best ruckman in the draft. Which club do you reckon you'll get to? Um, I'm not 100% sure. Um, personally, I don't have him as a top 30 prospect. So usually, if you're uh, a ruck and you're not a top 30 prospect, you usually find they end up going down to the rookie list or even, you know, not even getting picked up. So. He's no guarantee to get picked up, although, I mean, he, he is definitely one of the better rucks in the draft pool, but he hasn't had many very good rucks to go up against as a kind of a counter counterbalance to that. He's, uh, his tank is really low. It's something that he'll need to really work on. So he's a very, very long-term prospect. Yeah. But he's a good size, good tap work. He's pretty good overhead. Um, even though he doesn't have that endurance, he still managed to get quite a bit of the ball as a ruckman. So, I mean, you look at someone like Sam Hayes who uh, ended up getting drafted at the port. He was widely rated as a top five, top 10 pick, ended up going a lot later because of his endurance being so low and being such a a, a longer burn. But uh, that's what he could potentially be as, uh, you know, a long burn, but could end up a really handy ruckman in the long term. So kind of like a, uh, a Braden Proust if he doesn't get injured like Proust did, but that could be what he becomes later on down the track. All right, that's all the questions from me, Scotty. Yeah, so look, uh, big thanks, Ed. I've got one last question to wrap up the show. Uh, Essendon 2022. I know because you're a fan as well, but you obviously have, uh, you know, list and, you know, list management, that kind of, you know, drafting. How are you seeing the Essendon Football Club now, how they've developed this year? And do you have any expectations for 2022? Do, how far do you think this this list can grow uh, and surprise in 2022? Well, I honestly didn't give us much of a hope of making top eight at the start of this year, but I mean, they proved me wrong. So there's every chance they prove me wrong again next year. But I still feel we're going to be in that kind of log jam trying to get into the eight or not as much. I mean, we're going to have a harder fixture next year. I mean, our fixture was hard anyway this year because of the whole... Uh, uh, cold COVID situation, but I mean, we got to play North twice, which is a bonus, and we're ne- definitely not going to get that next year. So, um, 
I still feel that's probably where we're looking. And if we don't make finals and we still get to play a lot of the kids, I won't be that cut up about it next year. I mean, there's obviously a lot of supporters that, you know, really, really want the sex and they want it now. They want, they want to win a finals win, but uh, Rutten is, I've got a lot of confidence in Rutten and the, the, the youth that we've got coming through. And uh, if we just keep going in the trajectory we're going, even if we don't make finals next year, I'm fully expecting finals in 2023 and a finals win. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, the, the couple of names that I'm kind of interested to see uh, is McGrath. I think Cam McGrath have an, a big elevation. Uh, now, obviously, the injuries hasn't done him any favours the last couple of years, but is he a player that can, can go up quite a big level? Because I, I sense it's there, but... Uh, I think Colwell, if he can get his body right, I'm very still nervous on his hammy, I must admit. Uh, but if he's get his body right, for me, you know, just seeing the Melbourne guys just take over a game through their midfield, like their midfield just obliterated the Western Bulldogs in the last 40 minutes of that game. And it was just stoppage heaven for them. Uh, and I still think that's, I mean, even Truck was talking about it. I think if we can have as healthy as possible midfield, I think that's where a lot of our games will win if our midfield can stay healthy, if the Merritt, Parrish, McGrath, um, uh, yeah. So um, they've got Coldwell, uh, Stringer, um, Langford. If, if these guys – Shiel. Shiel. Um, but if we can have that depth and remain healthy, uh, then you expect the Cox – and Perkins to just go up another step. But I think if the midfield's really strong, and that's where the 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 age, the more mature age, that 24 to 25-year-old kind of age Another is, one, Sam Drapper getting 22 games as well would be huge. Would be huge, yeah, yeah. Uh, because his, his last month was was pretty good. So uh, I he, mean, Max Gorm was just as important as Petrarca in, in that ruck. I mean, he killed um, Martin in, in English, really, in the ruck. Mm-hmm. And... And again, like the way Drapper plays is like how Gorn plays. If he doesn't win the tap, he just keeps going and can even take the ball out of the ruck. That surge mentality, that's what beat the Bulldogs in the end. And we've got players that love to surge. I mean, Mm. that's just the way the modern game's going. When you get momentum, you're hard to stop. And luckily, we've got a lot of players that like to play with a bit of momentum. Nick Hind, I mean, Archie Perkins just wants to go. Nick Cox just wants to go. Uh, that's why I want to get Josh Goder in as well. He's a player that just loves to go and go. Uh, yeah. The day between's next year, both of them, <laughs> can they go? So, um, oh, it's oh. definitely that's that that's the way the modern game's going, and we do have the players on the list that I feel is capable of playing a game, a style of game that can win finals. The, the romantic footballer in me just wants Alwyn David Jr. in his very first game to line up at centre-half forward and we kick long to him. Uh, <laughs> just out of respect to to the whole family. He's actually not bad overhead <laughs> either, so he'd probably still take the mark. <laughs> so, uh, look, a huge, huge thank you, man. Um, we've taken almost an hour and 15 of your time. So, uh, uh, massive, massive thank you. Um, it'll be – once the – the draft is actually still quite some time, isn't it? Like late November, is it? Yeah, like yeah, uh, late 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 mid November around that point. Um, I still probably have to. I can probably get it up. Um, yeah, so the twenty fourth and the twenty fifth. So it's yeah, going to be so over the two days as well. So yeah. last year was only the one night, but now it is 
both nights. So they're going to have the first round on one night and then the rest of the draft the next night. Oh, that's so. Sad. So annoying. Sorry, but <laughs> just well, but that'll, like, that'll be two, that. That's two days I'll have off work to you know cover the draft and do the same thing we do with Draft yeah. Central every year. And and uh, touch wood, we don't have to have any other COVID restrictions by then, and we can get that sorted. But yeah, um, I'm I'm really excited for the draft as I am every year. But I mean, yeah, it, it, uh, can't wait for it. I hope it just comes comes by quick. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you to everyone. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, stand aligned. We, we'll just say a quick hi after the show, but we're going to wrap up, uh, have the outro music going. So thanks to everyone. Thanks, Ed. Uh, this is Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. You can catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, all those things, um, which you all know, uh, Lunch Catch-Up. You're all Patreons and you catch us on Patreon anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks, everyone. Uh, here's the outro music, but stay on the line and we'll just wrap it up.